This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. Um, do you come across people that feel they want to start their own business? They have a good career currently, but maybe they started as a as a um, side hustle. I think it's actually far more personality driven than anything. I also think there's a time and a season to when things should um, grow and when things need to, um, you know, end in that sense because we are beings we have seasons of life because maybe how you're wired is let's make sure the boxes are checked let's make sure that there's you know this much you know in the storehouses like that we have the cash flow to support the family when we make a formula out of something we're losing sight of the fact that people are individuals and what has worked well for you may not work well for me and vice versa and i personally think this is why the work i do is in rp4c it's individualized coaching Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Michelle Rademacher. You are a career coach, talent bridge maker, speaker, and mentor. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Roger. It's really good to be here. And look, I think our conversation is really timely, um, especially because of your work on all the work that you do to help people in their careers. And as we know, coming out of this um, coronavirus crisis, a lot of people are out of work. It's the highest unemployment, you know, uh, ever in our history, even more than the depression. And I just wonder what it's like for you day to day. Um, you know, has your world changed a lot? Are you helping more people or more people reaching out? What is the status of someone in your field as a career coach? And as you call a talent bridge maker? Yeah, I actually have noticed increase in growth, which is a blessing. I don't take that lightly, knowing that a lot of people are experiencing hardship over having to be looking for something different. But what is unique about the business that I have built is that it's focused on helping people align to the purpose for which they've been created. We all have a calling in our lives. And I say that with confidence because those of us that have had that inner tug that something should be different usually really resonate with that because once you're operating in that gifting, you're just like, this is amazing. So even though it is very difficult for people to have experienced job loss or being furloughed 
and there's just so much crazy going on in the world. There's something I've witnessed personally, and on, I'm also coaching people, is that there can be catalyst moments, big shakeup moments, that are intended to get you on path. So let me tell a little brief story about this, because some of us have experienced a couple of big shakeups in our careers. The 0809 recession being the one that's of you know most recent memory. That was interesting for me because I had already been working for, it was kind of like the first chapter of my career, if you will. And I loved where I was. I actually was really happy. And I remember the buzz starting to circulate in the office just because there was already that, you know, little bit of layoffs happening in 08. And then we turned the corner into 09 and it was starting to be more of that undertone, which I think those that are watching that have already lived through the last three months really know what we're talking about. You're just kind of not sure you're on pins and needles. Is it going to be me? Well, I actually was a part of the largest layoff that that particular company had in January of 2009. And it was really jarring because I loved what I did. And there was a huge amount of grieving that had to take place because I felt like, wow, what did I do? Was it me? And being more junior in my career, I took ownership of it as if I did do something wrong, but in reality, I didn't. And I can look back, Roger, and say that was the first big moment that I should have taken stock and actually made a career pivot, but I didn't. And this is a really important message, I think, for some because fear is just so paramount right now. I gave into fear and really was like, I got to get a job right away. That translated into joyful moments because I still enjoyed the next company that I worked at, but I was already having that heart tug that I needed to realign my career. And if I had paid attention that first time, then I would have maybe realized and gone into career coaching sooner. So with those that are experiencing this just intensity and not feeling sure, part of it is you can't wrap your identity up in what you do. So you hosting this podcast, that doesn't define you. It's just something that you get to share your gifts and talents with people, hear stories, you know, interview people, but it's not who you are. When we wrap our identity into what we do, that's when I think we can experience so much loss. And I did that. I absolutely had wrapped my identity in around and what I did. And so it felt harder because then you're feeling as if someone's taking away your identity and that's just not accurate. Wow. Does ego play into that at all? I've never heard it framed the way you just framed it, which is really interesting. I think it does. And it, I take us back to when I first picked my career in architecture. I think ego played into it. I remember enjoying the, I checked the boxes that people who go into architecture check. I played with Legos. I was pretty good at math. I liked to draw. Um, I could see things spatially. But I remember when I um, was experiencing our home being redone as a kid, it was junior high, I thought, well, what is the best in my mind of that? I want that. So I chose it out of prestige. I also did think that they would make a lot of money. I was a little bit wrong on that. <laughs> Architects make okay money. It's not like we're just rolling in the dough. But that's not the right way to pick a profession at all. And so I think ego can play into it. And I don't know if that's the case for everybody else in terms of why they might wrap their identity into what they do. But I think because it's so much a part of who we are, it's just being in a balance. Because even though as a career coach now, it's the very best of what I do that I may be able to give away in terms of talent, but it isn't what defines me. And so I think if we can separate that, we will experience greater peace because it's important for people who are experiencing this, you know, shaky ground, you're not less than just because you're now having to look for another job because there's a huge burden that comes from people who feel like they've been rejected. Right. Now, when you talk about that heart tug, uh, you know, I felt it many times over my career. I'm sure our listeners have felt that as well. Um, where do people start? Where, uh, if, they're, if they're in a career where they want change and um, they just, you know, they, f they have to feed their family, they have to pay the bills, mm -hmm. um, they're stuck, they're, they feel they're stuck. Where do they start? How, you know, from your coaching perspective, you know, I'm that guy, right? I'm stuck. Where do I start, Michelle? 
Yeah, the very first thing, Roger, that happens for people is to actually begin to ask the question. Because if they don't begin to actually ask, well, what could I do? Then they will never actually journey towards that next in their career. And I say that because there are definitely people I've had discovery calls with, inquiries about services, and they're not ready for coaching because they're not farther enough along. So I'll just explain some of what I've seen as a career coach, but also having done this myself, you have to begin to ask that question. And then you have to deal with the fears that probably are cropping up that you at least need to acknowledge and then replace the fear with the truth. And I say that because you know that acronym that fear is false evidence appearing real. It's great. It's catchy. But there are things about what we are afraid of that have validity to them in the context of this is a real thing to me. So let me explain the most common fears that I see people experience before they can make career change. Number one, they don't know that what they are thinking they want to go into, they can actually do because they've had so much experience in one area. That's one. The other is they don't think they're going to make the same amount of money. So maybe they have the golden handcuffs thing going on and they're afraid they won't be able to support their family. And then the other one B is like, what are friends and family going to think if I make this change? Those are the most common. And then there's variations of those categories that you can imagine. Now, what's interesting is that I think you do have to address it. And that's what I do in some of the start of my first sessions with clients, because if we don't, it's going to roadblock us. So I love when I can actually point out to clients a couple of things. Well, first of all, statistically in my business, Roger, 99% of my clients have experienced a raise in their take-home salary after working and landing where they need to be. <laughs> wow. So that has to debunk this whole idea of yes. like to make less because these are career changers. Some of them are big leaps and bounds changers and some of them are career pivots. Change is really different for everybody. But I find it fascinating because we always think a little, it's just unfortunate, but sometimes we're always thinking about the negative more than we are reframing to the positive. So as a coach, what I really feel is important, and I'm getting ready to train other coaches as the business is growing, is that we have to meet the person right where they are. And I think that's why when you ask, like, what's this look like? The very first thing is they're ready to actually ask that question. In order to actually go through the program that I've designed, the person has come to a place where like the boiling point is there and they're just ready for that change. Because in my business, it's we get results. I, I'm not everybody's coach or my business isn't every, for everybody because we get clarity, we do the strategy and we help you go to your destination. And you can't do that unless you have been brought to a place internally that you're ready to do it. And it's fascinating to me, Roger, because um, change in general is not super easy. I think we can attest that in so many facets of our lives. And I think it's even harder in careers because you kind of just don't know how to handle it. Most of the clients that come to work with me are actually still working. So it's probably only about 5% that have actually been in transition. That number might grow as a result of what's happened in um, this first and I don't know what it was it quarter one or quarter two in 2020 that all this hit so it's pretty intense but at the same time people are just ready to align I really have felt this shift for people to get on path for where they're supposed to be and that is really beautiful and that's why I really feel passionate about it because change is possible it doesn't have to be fearful but you need somebody to journey alongside with you wow so well said and you know, um, I, I know what you mean when you say you have to be ready, you have to be there, you almost have to be on the brink of, you know, no turning back before you dive in two feet first. And um, so it's almost like qualifying. It sounds like you have to qualify people to make sure that they're ready. So, you know, you're not wasting each other's time. Right. Oh, for sure. And I think that any business owner knows that your person, like, well, I mean, depending on what their business type is, but there's a need to qualify because the, I think in being smart in business means that I have a service that I'm providing. I know the kinds of people that I can help and it's okay that you will have some that you say no to or vice versa, because that's just hitting 
the target, right? And I think if I look at some of the varieties of folks that I've helped, some of the fun stories, like two of my, this is really cool. Two of the clients I started working with at a little bit different times, but based on just the sequence of um, their schedules and kind of how we process through in their interviews, they were both kind of looking to tap into that C-suite. They, they had not been there yet, but they were the senior leadership and they felt like that was right. And it was so fascinating, Roger, because they both landed their roles and actually started in these executive leadership positions when quarantine was hitting. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like, what about, what a way to like test your leadership um, traits. And it just, I was really encouraged by that though. And I wanted to encourage them because even though it's, here's one thing I've noticed about people as they step into that role for the very first time, they're not quite sure that they can because no one has given them that title yet. But once they are in it, it's like they've owned it. So I've loved, it was, it's a very common thread. So if anyone's watching this and they've, they're in that same boat where they like, I, I really believe that I'm C-suite material. You will probably be dealing with a, a fear of, can I really, you know that you can, but because you, no one's given you that title yet, you sort of feel like, am I worthy of it? You might just change the variety of what that fear looks like, but I've seen it a lot. And I think there's this change that we experience when we grow in our career that it's almost like you're waiting for someone to give you that permission. And in reality, you already have, you have it in you, but it's cool. I love, that was the fun story. And um, maybe there's others we can share, but that was neat. Very neat. What's the difference between someone like that uh, looking for a C-suite position versus someone making a career change to go into business ownership itself? Hmm. Good question, because I have clients that come for both. I don't presuppose what the change is going to look like. And I tell some of them that they'll even drop it a little bit in some of the discovery calls where, you know, well, what if, you know, I've always kind of thought about doing a business. I'm like, okay, that's okay. Adaptability is probably my top strength. So I'm like, we will be adapting. And but, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, because you've gone through this yourself, it, it, are you able to, do you think, give a, a even a, more real or in-depth perspective of business ownership for I someone who's making a career change similar to what, what you did? I think so. I also think that our experience gives us so much that in, in the times that we're going through it, we can't even see how it's going to apply later. But I, would, I, I actually forgot the original question. So you're asking about like, what's it look like for somebody that goes into business and doing that change and that pivot? Yeah. So someone who's looking to you know, up their career to say, go to another corporation to, you know, excel into C-suite versus leaving a, a, a good career going into business for themselves as the business owner. Yeah, there's definitely this like qualifying factors that must occur when I'm doing that with folks to know that they can actually handle it. I really don't think that business ownership is for everybody. And I don't think entrepreneurship is for anybody. And those that would argue that it is, I'm just like, you are missing so much of people's personalities. And I will say, you know, it's not for the faint of heart at all. It's a lot of more than you can imagine. You're going to wear every hat of what you have experienced in the corporate world when everybody else had a department for that. You're all of it. So with that being said, I definitely think that um, it's, I think it's in the blood personally, Roger. And so if it's not quite there, then it's not going to happen. But the beautiful thing about every single client that I've coached, and I just had a discovery call this past Friday where this question was asked and they're like, well, what happens if we don't quite get the clarity? I said, it won't happen. Every single client that I coach in our first phase of working together, you will be crystal clear about what it is that you were made to do and wired to do. And it will, it will be, I said, I've not had one client that, is, that has not had that. So if there's somebody that has that business in them, the birthing of that is just kind of being able to draw that out of them. Then we start pivoting into, okay, business plan writing. What are those, who are the strategic partners that you need to bring alongside? That one's always kind of an interesting one too, because if they already had preconceived ideas about who they want to bring in, sometimes it can be hard for them to let go of that, especially if they were like, family or friends that they wanted to bring in and you have to choose the best if you really want this to lift off the ground. And I enjoy kind of helping them to match and balance personalities and what roles they should have. Cause you can't 
force people into something that they aren't talented in doing and expect this to really take off. You need your A game and your all-stars, I think, out the gate. Don't you agree? Oh, I, I agree 100%. I'm, I'm living it now. And the next question I have for you actually relates to this, and, and that is, um, do you come across people that feel they want to start their own business? They have a good career currently, but maybe they started as a, as a um, side hustle. Um, working it through, you know, it took me almost three years, um, you know, with my podcast and just really trying to formulate my business around it because I knew I wanted to do something. I just didn't know exactly what it was. So it took me a long time before I actually made the full leap, but I had to put all those pieces in place before I personally had the, um, uh, you know, full comfort of saying, okay, I'm now ready to do this. Whereas a year ago, two years ago, I definitely wasn't ready. I think it's actually far more personality driven than anything. I also think there's a time and a season to when things should um, grow and when things need to, um, you know, end in that sense, because we are beings, we have seasons of life. And I, in my case, it was a pretty big leap into uh, uncharted waters and I think if it had been any other way, I probably wouldn't have done it because I would have been I'm very conscientious about all decisions I make in business. And if I'd had the ability to like ramp it up more while I waited, I probably would have been waiting for a really long time because I'm just like, well, we're not quite there. So I think it has to do a lot with people's personality and also times and seasons because maybe how you're wired is let's make sure the boxes are checked. Let's make sure that there's, you know, this much, you know, in the storehouses, like that we have the cash flow to support the family. And I was in a fortunate place where it is just me. So I could take leap of faith knowing I just have me that I have to, you know, stay focused on in that context of family. So I personally think that it's personality. And I don't know that we can even say, and I think you probably can attest to this, Roger, with all the different business discussions you'll have. When we formulate, when we make a formula out of something, we're losing sight of the fact that people are individuals and what has worked well for you may not work well for me and vice versa. And I personally think this is why the work I do is in RP4C, it's individualized coaching because if you try to make it a formula, it doesn't work. There's another business that I actually get coaching from that, um, focuses on it in this way. And I'm like, that's why it's successful because they meet me right where I'm at and they don't try to like slot me into like, Oh, we're going to check this box next. But that's my experience. Great. You know, and I, I could totally see that. And, and I, I commend you for that because from a standpoint, from a business standpoint, you know, one might think, well, I could, you know, I could help everyone the same. That's how I could really, you know, 10 X my business by, yeah, thinking that way, but the fact that you're being very strategic and selective and thoughtful about yeah. that um, says a lot. And it it leads me to my next question, which I know is something you're really passionate about, and that's leading and growing. Do you does this conversation come into play with your clients, no matter where they are? Is that part of it? Becoming a leader, you know, continuing to grow. Um, how does that look for you? I think the work that I'm doing with clients is bringing them to a place of growing in their career, regardless of where they find themselves. Because if the client base I have runs the gamut of, well, just out of school, like out of college to their final chapter in their career, the majority of clients are in that, you know, 40s, 50s in terms of age range and kind of like mid to senior management. But I think the leading and growing has more to do with being ready for change that you are okay with doing that. Leaders, I think are everyone because in, you know, one of the things I found interesting in my career, Rogers, I always wanted a mentor, like always wanted one. And I always found myself being mentor. And it was kind of comical to me because you know, you're just kind of like, well, sometimes you get paired with that. Some companies bother to, you know, take the time to actually do a formalized mentoring program. 
So I've had mentors in my career. I don't mean to say that I haven't, but I've always kind of wanted somebody like, oh, pour into me and like take me on to the next step. And instead it's like been this discovery. It's just why I feel like entrepreneurship is kind of just in you because I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be ready and willing to navigate uncharted waters because you literally haven't experienced it before. It also makes you that much more strategic and adaptable. But for the clients, I don't know that I see it because I'm not trying to say like, okay, now you're a leader. That actually is disingenuous to, disingenuous to where they are because not everybody is looking to be a manager or a leader of others. Um, when I see it though in clients, I'm making sure that we're aligning to that because a natural leader is going to naturally step into guiding others. And if they're stifled in that, that's part of the um, hang up in where they've been maybe before we even started working together. The point of growing though in the business, I really never saw myself as just doing the business for me. If that's the case, then I'm in a really good spot because I have a consistent influx of clients and there's um, plenty to help and the roster is full. But instead I've always looked at this as what kind of impact can we have? How many more can we reach to help people align to their purpose? So for me, leading and growing is being able to empower others and in turn, we're keeping the individual client in mind. That's paramount to me. And you've talked about purpose now a couple of times, and that's not something I, I could tell that you take lightly. Mm-mm. Like that's, that's the real deal, right? Like, like the reason we're here, the reason we're put on this earth is a, it's a very, very important <laughs> thing. Yeah. And um, I know, again, we could a lot of times only go off of experience. I feel like I've, not that I've wasted time, I've done really good things in my career. I met some wonderful people. You know, you mentioned this, the same thing early, earlier yeah. on in your career. So I feel it was all purposeful, but yeah. I don't know if I was living my purpose the whole time. Um, I feel today, and I still don't feel like I'm there yet 100%, but I'm a lot closer now than I was, say, 5, 10, 20 years ago. I love that. It's really on point, too, because it doesn't mean that what we had up into this point where we got in line with what our purpose is, that it wasn't meaningful or important. If anything, it actually really built the foundation, I'm sure, of what we needed to be able to go into that. Let me just say something, because this is just a, t- a small tangent. Those that are coming just out of school, and you'll see this on LinkedIn because some of them are in their early 20s and they're career coaches, a part of me is just kind of like, I don't know how you can possibly speak into another person's life with such a short career of not experiencing a career. It doesn't mean that that person isn't called into coaching, but I would certainly empower and encourage others to gain experience in some facet of management or leading others or whatever niche they might want to go into only because there's so much that comes in a richness of um, built experience of how you navigated challenges. So just like you, I mean, I can look back, Roger, there were definite moments that I should have made pivots and I get annoyed because I can see those flags and I was like, um, no, I'll just put that flag down. (laughs) So what would have been different if I had done that? That's, you know, sort of a fun thing to think about. Not very helpful in the context of like, you don't want to go into regret. Everything I've had, and I think this is important for people who are experiencing that tug towards something different and they have this desire to make that career change. What you have experienced will be used for where you're going. First of all, there's transferable skills that we have where what we did before will translate to now. I'll give one example in mine. I was in architecture, interior architecture specifically. So I worked with a lot of different programs. In fact, in my career, the number of different platforms that are used in order to draw the buildings or the spaces changed constantly. I mean, that's technology. But what it meant, Roger, was that I developed a skill of being very quick at adapting to technology and learning how to work with those systems and programs quickly. So a lot of them, what I use in the Adobe Creative Suite, I still use that now. It's actually what I tap into to help people rebrand their LinkedIn profiles. Would I have thought that that would have come into play in doing career coaching? Of course not. But am I glad that I had that experience? Yeah. And it also really transfers design-wise for resumes. 
I have a design eye. So when I see one that's like so terribly designed, I'm like, ah, let's fix that, right? (laughs) Maybe you could help me. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're good. You're in the right spot. So I think that it's when we talk about purpose, just helping you to realize it's okay if we missed it. But I will say that we are in a critical time and season in the history of the world to get on path for where you are always supposed to be. And even when it seems like everything is just crumbling, sometimes a foundation shaking is what is definitely needed because we probably wouldn't have done it if we hadn't. Um, absolutely can attest to that for myself. Like I had to have a couple shakings, quite frankly, to really let go of my career. And I'm, I'm hoping that if someone's watching this, that that's resonating with them, that they will see that that's possible. And you really couldn't pay me enough money to go back into my first career. Not because I don't love the people that were in it and that I got to meet. It's because it wasn't for me. That's being able to live on purpose in my opinion. Wow. I'm so glad you shared that story. Was AutoCAD one of your tools that you used? Oh yes. And Revit now. Did you use AutoCAD at some point in your career? Uh, My sister and brother-in-law were both in the field. My brother-in-law still is, but my sister was too. And so it was just, you know, lingo that I picked up over the years. <laughs> I don't know anything about AutoCAD. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the, 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 it actually still is around. A lot of people are using Revit now, but yeah. Okay, okay great. Um, so one thing stuck out as you were talking about that, and that, and, and I'm sure a lot of people going through career change may have a similar feeling, but I know the, the biggest thing for me in the back of my mind was always how it would disrupt or um, impact the relationship with my wife, right? Like, like, you know, if I brought this to her, how would she react? And again, there were several times I wanted to do it over the last, say, 15 years, and I didn't. But I just think about that. Does that come up often? And if people are thinking about that now that are watching, listening, what would you say to those people that, you know, uh, Michelle, look, I, I, I want to do this, but I'm just really concerned about what my wife would say and how it would impact not only um, um, our financial, you know, lifestyle, but maybe our overall relationship. Yeah, that's a very good point. One thing I think it's, again, an indicator that most people assume that if they're going to make a career change, they're going to make less money. Somehow that's this weird bias that comes in. I actually dealt with that. I mean, I did. I I was in a prestigious career. I mean, shocked me when I ran the numbers, Roger. I ended up making 40% more when I made my first career pivot. And I was so pained by the fact that I let myself go five years trying to figure it out. Well, so I, I've had quite a few um, clients that have spouses and what I always encourage them after our discovery calls that they have a conversation with their spouse to be on board. What I love about a career coach, and I will just say this for those who are watching in the context of what RP4C does is that a coach comes alongside to help the client be empowered to be able to make the change. And that allows and alleviates the spouse from having to be that strategic support. The spouse can then just be the loving support and maybe not even so, so much the cheerleader. Cause I do feel like Roger, when I'm working with clients, I'm the one that's doing that so that they don't have to like, it's interesting. It's dicey. You know, sometimes a spouse feels like they have to be the emotional support and that's hard because in the job search part that has some emotional roller coaster feel right? You know, there's going on interviews and I'm not getting past a certain round. That's not really the case with me because we do strategy. But um, my point is simply to say, I get that if that is in the beginning, but in my opinion and what I do when I first talk with people is to mitigate that because what then are we dealing with instead? What if you can be guided through this whole process and actually arrive there? Personally, I think that's what sets my business apart because it's not just about learning about what you should be doing and getting clarity and then, okay, here you go. You're on your own. That's where I think it's harder. Instead, it's about, we're going to learn that. You're going to know what you're supposed to do. Now we're going to develop the strategy of what you need to do with changes to your resume or your LinkedIn profile update or what specifically you should be doing in a job search so that when you start that job search, 
you're actually effective. And then I'm there with them as they start that out too. So that's, I think, mitigating that risk factor. Maybe that's part of it for people. And there's a variety of career coaches that live in LinkedIn land. So that's, I think, something for people who are listening to pay attention to, know what you're purchasing in that context. Um, But spouses should really be given the empowerment to go back to just being loving support, not the emotional support, not the strategy support, not the, you know, checking their cover letter support. That's too much. That's putting something on them that they really aren't meant to do, I think. Great point. And, I never yeah. thought of that. That's almost, it's, it's, it's putting them in a, in, in a bad position and yourself, really. Hire the professional yeah. to help you with those things. And can I tell a fun story? This is Please. a quarantine success story. So one of my clients came to work with me because his wife actually was prompting him to make a change. So that was really cool to actually see that empowerment to him from that perspective. And we actually had the initial discovery call with just the client, but then we had a second one, a follow-up discussion after the proposal with both of them because there was questions that she had. I think that's beautiful because then I know, because if you don't address them, they're going to be discussed, you know, regardless if you're in the room or not. And he landed his role in quarantine so cool. And they called me together. They were actually, you know, getting drinks and celebrating. It was um, on their back patio because quarantine, you know, things were still closed. But I think that's awesome. You know, that's good what for you for embracing that and encouraging that she or he, you know, participate in yeah. that session. Re- really powerful. And um, one of uh, the other things that you like to, I know, talk about is strength in adaptability and the importance of that strength. And it kind of brings everything to this point right now that when you are adaptable, um, there there is strength in that. So Mm -hmm. how do you see that? How do you discuss this? Um, Why is this so important to you? Um, That's a really good question, Roger, because one of the things that I know is that it's not everyone's strength. And just like where I might have a strength and adaptability, the reverse of that <laughs> could be my weakness. But because we're in this time where people are having to make changes and they didn't really necessarily want them, maybe. Maybe some people are now finally like, yay, I got pushed into my next. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that if you can be flexible enough that you are willing to make adjustments, I think that's important. Not everybody can. And I think it's critical for me to say that even though I would advocate for being adaptable or being flexible, doesn't mean that that's how you're wired. But for those that have that wiring, I think what's really unique about it is that you're never really bothered by the circumstances of the moment because you can quickly adjust. And I do find that to be a really powerful strength because in a day's schedule, you'll get little things that change it and rock it and you just you know pivot ever so slightly. With my clients, I'll tell you this, in the third part of working together, our third phase, we're doing the job search part and I'm right there by them. I'm coaching them. I can't go on their interviews, but I'm going to be coaching them to have successful ones. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to watch for any patterns that pop up. And if I see something that's not quite hitting based on whatever, then we have to make an adjustment. That's also being adaptable. So hmm, quarantine really stretched me in terms of ideas related to the job search, Roger, because there was so much need to get creative with those that are naturally good at networking. So that was kind of fun because that strength of adaptability and just generating ideas that are around that creative side really allowed my clients to see success because there was a different way of looking at it. Um, so that's pretty fun to me. I mean, I guess question back to you, how do you see it in business in terms of being adaptable and like, how does that work for you or in maybe in a reverse way, do you feel like it's better to be more scheduled? Well, great, great. Yeah, great. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think it's equally as important. So in, in our business, it's really important to be, um, as a mentor of mine, uh, Dave Meltzer taught me, be a student of your calendar. So I think it's mm-hmm. really important to um, be strict about the calendar mm-hmm. and, and adhere to it as much as you can. But also uh, being able to be flexible and adaptable because change is good. I don't see change as being something negative. So 
in our business, um, whether it's in our Innovate University or if we're helping an author, you know, uh, become a bestseller um, through through one of the uh, programs we offer, it's not so cookie cutter. So we yeah. do have to be adaptable in the way we do things. And you know, if we see an ad is not working a certain way, we may have to adapt to that. So I do feel structure is important, but yeah. also that you have to, you know, you you do have to be flexible, and you can't be so rigid because. You could put yourself and your client um, and your customer at risk if you're not adaptable. I agree, and I find it so fascinating about business advice because I wouldn't, I would never give a blanket advice and like be adaptable everywhere because that's not how some people are wired. You know, some people are checklist manifestos and all that great stuff. And I would say I could probably lean harder into some scheduling in that facet. But at the same time, I find if there's that balance, that's probably really where the sweet spot is. I don't know about you, but that's one of the things I find is a challenge that I love all the different business books that can exist and the advice that's given. But at the same time, you have to know yourself well enough to know, is this going to hit well with me? That's because right. if it's super rigid and scheduled, I actually turn from it. In fact, like on LinkedIn land where people are like, you know, at the beginning, I remember seeing this where they would go into engagement pods. I couldn't do it because I didn't like the forced nature of having to respond to somebody's post. I'm like, well, that's not how I'm wired. I'm wired to be spontaneous. And if that's something that I want to engage in, I will. It also tends towards authenticity. And that's really important to me. But I just going on a tangent there to say, yes, I love being adaptable. It's my it's definitely a strength. A strength, though, can turn into a weakness, overused. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's, yeah, very well said. Um, I love this conversation for many reasons. We're going to help a lot of people today. You're going to help a lot of people. I learned a lot from you today, which Thank is you. something I always uh, hope for in these conversations. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things that's that's sticking out to me right now is that I um, I'm trying to do my part to help break down barriers that we have. So um, whether, you know, right now we're going through all of this uh, racial inequality, right, throughout our country, and there's all kinds of protests and, um, you know, looting and crazy things happening in our world. But I also look at, you know, in a conversation like ours, um, you know, the inequality between men and women in, in, a, in a career. I, I don't like that. You know, if someone's applying for the same position and I just still can't believe that this is true. And I'd love to get your perspective on it. But the fact that a man would get paid more than a woman just irks me. Are you are you still seeing this um, in your work as people go into a different career? Um, and is it something you have to um, guide or, or coach on uh, from that perspective? I am not seeing that same perspective. Um, and I, a while ago, I think it was in my first year of business, I gave a talk to a mentoring group and I actually spoke about having seen that front row seat when I was an executive recruiter. And I definitely saw offers go out to women where they were being paid more than men that were in that company. And I had the same vantage point of um, men getting offers that were at a good salary range too. The reason why I say that it's, I saw more of a balance. Now, there are plenty of great resources that start speaking to this in terms of um, why has there been that disparity and what has needed to change. I will simply say that in my own career, I have never felt underprivileged or less than because I was a woman. And I never wanted a job simply because I am a woman. Now, the interesting thing to me, Roger, is that when I help clients and we're kind of going through the salary negotiation component, I really believe it's about empowering a person to understand their worth, regardless of their skin color or their gender. And if you understand that you have worth, regardless of gender or skin color, then you're more empowered to negotiate for yourself. Negotiation, by the way, is a skill. And so not everybody has that. I think that might also play into how these numbers shake out because some people are very uncomfortable with going back and asking for more. 
I love negotiation. I actually love, we don't have time, but there's a really good story that I have when I first came from Denver to Chicago and negotiated with the top boss for my position. Might've put me on the chopping block in the 09 recession <laughs> because I was maybe more expensive than other peers. Uh, learning in your career, right? But I, the thing that saddens me so much about what's happening is that I really don't, I personally see racism is a sin issue. It is not a skin issue, even though racism exists because of how we perceive somebody else based on how they look. I really think what we should be doing is looking at the heart of a person and my heart breaks for what our country is going through. It's just horrible. And it's horrible about the backlash towards the, um, you know, law and order in that sense, you know, because there's some beautiful men and women that are putting their lives on the line to protect those. So it's a really hard time, I think, for everyone. And maybe to come bring it full circle, just in context of purpose and careers and what we're made to do. I think when we're in line with that, we're in like the perfect place of where we were meant to be. Now there is no perfect because this it's just not a perfect world. But if we can look at one another with more humanity and less about our preconceived notions, then I think we start to see that shift occur. Um, but to fully answer your question, I really haven't seen it as in the way that a lot of people are talking about it. But I also think Roger, that's because of intentionally choosing to go about it in a different way. I recognize that I have had, um, I've had a blessed life and yet I've had a lot of peers, um, in my career that would say the same thing. So I feel like that's supposed to give hope in my opinion that a tide can turn or has turned, but it doesn't mean that there aren't others that are dear to my heart that might've experienced bias or the backlash of racism or what have you. But I, I saw a lot of diversity in my careers in architecture. And um, I see my clients achieving opportunities in front of them too. But I think that has everything to do with when you get on path, there's really nothing stopping you except yourself. Right. Do you agree with that? I do. No, I do. And I'm really glad that you shared that with us because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know where, yeah you know, what you're seeing out there and it's it's really good to hear that yeah um, so I, I appreciate that you're welcome well michelle this has been great um i know you have uh, a new online coaching program coming up can you share a little bit about that with our audience in case they're oh yeah you and if they're Thanks interested yeah so the main focus for rp4c is individualized career coaching that is our focus what was fascinating to me is that this need started to crop up maybe as a result of what's going on in this quarantine times of 2020. And that is to be able to have quality coaching available at their pace so that they can get help with different things, interview coaching, resume guidance, cover letter um, ideas, that sort of thing, meeting a person in their need. What's unique about this is that for that audience, they're basically like they need just a little bit of help for those little topics. The coach, the clients that come in that are being coached by RP4C coaches, they have a greater need for more of that hands-on and very specific tailored changes. So I didn't expect the other to be needed, but it's here. And so that's exciting because there's more people that are getting to be helped by that, which is cool. That's great. What's yeah. the best way for people to reach out or find this if they're interested in connecting with you? Uh, for, for coaching purposes, go to the schedule tab on rp4c.com and just book a discovery call. We'll, happy, we'll be happy to chat and see if we're the right company for you or not. And for the membership, monthly membership for the coaching, that's a separate tab that's at the top of the homepage too. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Michelle, this has been wonderful. You've uh, really enlightened me today, and I appreciate uh, you sharing all this valuable information. But before I let you go, uh, mm -hmm. I do have one last question, which I like to ask every guest. And that is, at the end of the day, um, you still have a lot of life to live and, and work to do here. 
But what, try, what mark are you trying to leave here on this earth? What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, just one little question, right, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have always wanted um, that the work that I do, it would be able to, I'm like, how do I want to phrase that? I don't really want it to be about me. I really love that I'm empowered to do the work that I'm doing, but it isn't about me. This is all glory to God. So for me, it is about do others see um, the light of God in me, light of Christ in me to point them towards their own purpose. A legacy, I don't actually care about that for me. I want to empower others and point them to what they are created to do. And I think parting words would just be that we are created for such a time as this. We do have what we need to be able to live out this, you know, life here on earth, even as crazy as it's getting. And when we stand on that sure foundation, we won't feel so crazy. We'll be at peace. So I don't really care about my own legacy. It's, you know, why it kind of stumped me because I was like, <laughs> I look forward to building RP4C because that's part of what I've seen is like just a vision for growth. But um, yeah, hopefully I've answered that one. You did. Michelle Rademacher, welcome to the American Real family. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your story with us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You could reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.